Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. Another edition of the Just Thinking podcast. I am Virgil Walker. I am Daryl Harrison. What's going on, wingman? Well, man, I'm telling you, you you got some stuff shaking up, man, on the Twitter sphere, man. What in the world is going on? I had to I had to I had to punch in and get caught up, man, with all that was going on. What do you got brewing, man? I don't know. I, I mean, today was just one of those days. You know, it's really interesting how you can say certain things <laughs> on social media, right, and without any intent whatsoever, right, to engender a reaction. But you get a reaction, right? You get a response. How no matter how hard you try to be uh, objective, diplomatic, mm-hmm. balanced, you know, when 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 something comes across or goes across social media, right? There's there's people who just abandon all self control. <laughs> And right. they just have to react. Right, right. They have right. to react because what you said, though it was not targeted at any one individual or any right. group, you're right. you're basically just doing what anyone else does who's on Twitter or Facebook. You post a comment which usually expresses your perspective mm-hmm. on a certain issue and you put the period at the end of the sentence or the question mark at the end of the question, whatever the case may be. Right. And then, well, in my case, it's only a few seconds later. It's like a, a, a bonfire has been started. <laughs> I didn't light a match. I didn't, right. the, I, you know, I didn't use any uh, lighter fluid. Right. But, but they interpret it as that. Sure. And so what you saw today, especially on my Twitter timeline is really cool right verge because we've said this before you're more active on facebook than i am oh, yeah. but i'm more oh, active yeah. on twitter than you are so we got both of those major platforms covered either way absolutely absolutely well man I, i'm i'm gonna have to increase my twitter game man i hang listen hanging out with you has gotten me probably i've probably doubled my number of followers now me doubling ain't that big a deal <laughs> <laughs> When you when you only have two followers and you go to four, you know, <laughs> man, come on, man. You're being too humble. You're being way too modest. You're being way too much. You know, I feel like I need to apologize for getting you all those followers, man. Because if I hadn't been getting in so much trouble myself, your numbers would no, be going no. Because here's here's the crazy part, man. I I only I use Twitter. Here's how I use Twitter. Had been in the past. This is definitely changing with my connection with you. That's for sure. In the past, man, I would only use Twitter during the football season. Right. I, I I would just during the college football season. I kept up with my my players, kind of recruiting, kind of that type of deal. Every once in a blue moon, I'd post something you know, or slide something from Facebook over there and just kind of do, but I really didn't mess with it. I, you know, I may have had a couple hundred, you know, I think by the time we hooked up, I may have had three or 400 followers, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm about to crack a thousand here real soon. And, and, and oh my gosh. Wow. more than half, more than half of it is your fault. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, I get that a lot these days. You know, Daryl, it's yeah. your fault. It's yeah, your it's, fault, it, it, is, it is your fault, man, because I, I had no intention <laughs> of being And you know what's funny, Verge? What's, what's, what's funny is this, is that in real life, I'm such an introvert. That's funny, people man. May, people may not believe that, but yeah, I am. I, I do not like to be out front and center. Um, and, and I like to, I think a lot about how God has gifted you uh, in, in your, your gospel work, uh, p- particularly as it relates to the uh, matter of abortion and your street witnessing every day, man. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate the videos that you put out uh, in real time, you know, as you're actually getting out of the car. I mean, right. your, your videos are real time and you're, you're down there in the streets preaching the gospel. And, and me, I'm more of a background kind of, kind of guy where I write a lot, you know, right. I, I may, I may post some things. I may write a blog article, but it's really cool to see how God kind of uses your distinct gifts and my distinct mm-hmm. gifts together in tandem. Yeah. And then we come together each week in this platform yeah. in this yeah. medium. Uh, and and folks can hear us both. Right. And so we, we sort of, we, we store it up, but with a gospel focus, you know, we don't Absolutely. mean to make trouble, but uh, you know, trouble is, uh, trouble is relative. I really, man, I'm telling you, man, it, it's interesting though, brother. And I, and I want to want to jump into what, what actually took, you know, got folks, got folks hyped up, but uh, it's, it's interesting, man, to see the culture, the climate that we're in uh, where, where what we thought was, was common sense. Isn't really, we find out is not really all that common uh, mm-hmm. ideas that we think should be natural to the believer are, 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 are not natural, man. And we're having to, Having a course correct, it goes back to what you said earlier. Uh, you know, you, you're just thinking this is a this is a statement of fact. This should get the this should get the attaboy, the amen, you know, the encouragement of other believers uh, who understand, you know, uh, theology proper, who understand, mm-hmm. you know, why we do what we do, the the focus of the gospel, um, you know, proper biblical anthropology. But man, mm-hmm. it it's. It's interesting, man. What's what's happening, and and you're getting some. I mean, as as I kind of peruse what what you had going on, man. There's there's some there's some heavy hitters in there, man. That that are that are chiming in, trying to kind of kind of connect and and, and talk and and follow you. I, I remember, I think when we started, you had about you had about five six thousand folks, and man, you you you're, you're jumping up there too. So uh, obviously, something you're doing and saying is striking a chord with a lot of a lot of folks, man. I'm I'm just glad to be along for the ride. Well, I appreciate your support, man. I need everyone in my corner <laughs> these days that I can get. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, to sort of give some background on what's kind of got us talking about the topic for this particular episode, which will be a focus on what I see as an almost cult-like fervor mm-hmm. and zealotry about multi-ethnic congregations at the local church level and and how many are proffering that notion as a gospel mandate yeah. to which I disagree, Right. to which I strongly disagree. So there's a comment that I tweeted yesterday. Um, I'm sorry, let me date this again. It's April 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, a comment I tweeted on April 29th where I said this. I said, there's no basis. And, and I ran out of characters. I wanted to say there's no biblical basis. Mm-hmm. There's no biblical basis to say, quote, the church should reflect the ethnic makeup of the community it serves. I'm sure you hear that phrase a lot. All the time. I hear it all the time. People say, well, the church should reflect the ethnic makeup of the community it serves. Uh, so 
I put that phrase in quotes in the tweet that I wrote on the 29th, but here's the entire comment. There is no biblical basis to say the church should reflect the ethnic makeup of the community it serves. Congregational diversity is not a matter of metrics, but is an eschatological mandate Mm. that Christ will fulfill as the gospel works in the hearts of those who hear it. Mm-hmm. And I said that parenthetically, I mentioned first Thessalonians two 13, which I'll read here from the NASB first Thessalonians two 13 says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, now that's another phrase to, to say the gospel, when you receive mm-hmm. the gospel, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Mm-hmm. So the comment I posted on Twitter that there is no basis for saying that the church should reflect the ethnic makeup of the community it serves and that congregational diversity is not a matter of metrics. And what I mean by that is that there there are people within the church today who are so zealous about multi-ethnic diversity in local church congregations that their gospel is a matter of metrics now. The metric being how many brown faces are in white churches? Right. How many many dark, shaded, uh, melanin-faced men, women, and children are now populating white churches? And it's Mm -hmm. only white churches verse that need to diversify right right it's not it's not all black churches it's not all black churches. oh no No. all black churches y'all are good right because we understand why y'all are all black (laughs) because of slavery right man and the fact that you know during slavery and even into after the post-reconstruction era you know you black people weren't allowed to worship not only with with white people they weren't allowed to worship at all so you guys had to create your own churches we mm-hmm. dig that. We get that. So y'all are good in 2018 if your church wants to be all black. Right. So it's only white churches that need to diversify. Right. And and re- and reflect the community that they're and reflect the community they that they serve. Right. OK. Notwithstanding any other possible reason. For why a church congregation at the local level is not more diverse. Now, that's notwithstanding the fact that that, again. I adamantly disagree with the notion that multi-ethnic congregation is a gospel issue. Mm -hmm. People are using that phrase like a, like it's a bumper sticker. Everything's a gospel issue now. Right. Right. But in first Thessalonians two 13, we just read that it is the word of God that performs its work in the hearts of those who believe. Okay. Including that work being building his church. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I want to do in this episode (laughs) is drill down into various aspects of the church Mm -hmm. in order to address this issue of multi-ethnic congregations being a gospel issue, because there are several layers to this. Okay. The, the, The Twitter comment that I made, you know, sometimes Verge, just so the listeners don't try to put this into some context. I'm a morning guy. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. not, a, I'm not a guy to stay up late at night. This is late for you, right? This, this is pretty late. It's right now as we're recording this and for new listeners, we record each episode of Monday evenings 
at eight o'clock Eastern. And we release these episodes the following Friday. So right now, as I speak, it's about 8.07 p.m. on Monday, April 30th. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so I'm usually in bed around, oh, 8.30, 9 o'clock at the latest. I got you. So yeah, man, I'm taking one for the team right yeah, now. Yeah, I appreciate you doing that every week, man. On Monday. Taking one for your Omaha. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, but, but no, I naturally get up early every morning. Sure. I'm naturally up really early. And when I say early, I mean like at three o'clock. Because I'm yeah. up, I hit the treadmill, I do about seven miles, and then I go through my routine to get ready for work. Yeah, because I, I, I know I know because I get those messages from yeah, you about you four in the morning. About, right, right, right. right. <laughs> so I'm I'm up phone, ready to rock. See phone phone by my bed tomorrow. Ping. I'm like <laughs> I'm like, there you go. That's Daryl. That's, my, my, my wife talking about maybe somebody after you. Yeah, it's Daryl. I got it. Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Go I'm picking you at four o'clock in the morning. Yep. Say, hey, Virg, this is what I want to talk hey, about. I got this <laughs> idea for the show. You know, and then, and then at five o'clock, ping! I, I changed my mind. What, what I really want to talk <laughs> right. about here? But, but, hey, make sure make sure you read these two articles and be ready. Right? <laughs> Only at six o'clock to go. Ping! Wait a minute, something just happened on Twitter, man. <laughs> I'm like, look at this brother right here. See, see that's what you give her because I'm a natural, I'm a natural morning person. I don't need caffeine or nothing like that. Praise when I God. wake up, I'm ready to rock. That's good stuff. So I say all that to say I might hit Twitter <clears throat> with something that comes on my mind right before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. And when I wake up in the morning, I look at my phone, boom. It's like yeah. Armageddon. Yeah. As, and, and see, here's the irony, because we to, to 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 your comments earlier, I know I was cracking up at them, but it's the truth. <laughs> I, I hit I hit verge with all kind of stuff right. leading up to these recordings. And, and man, I got to give you props because you you roll right with them, man. You always absolutely. stick with them. Absolutely. So you're always ready to rock. I'm, I'm so, at least well read, man. If nothing else. Oh, absolutely. I'm bro. well read. No doubt. No doubt. So what's ironic, though, <laughs> about stuff blowing up on Twitter is one of the topics that we had talked about teeing up tonight is how Kanye pretty much just destroyed the in- internet yeah. over the past week by coming out, first of all, in support of the uh, black conservative female, uh, Candace Owens. Yep, yep. And then he came out not long after that with tweets supporting President Trump. I mean, right. the internet exploded. Right. So not that I, I mean, Kanye's got like 28 million Twitter right. followers. Right. I got a, a little under 9,000. Right. But the point is this. Kanye expressed an independent thought. <laughs> right. Which is the same thing I did with that tweet on April 29th. I expressed, right. I expressed an independent thought. Sure. But what was the response? The response was, how dare you think that? Brother, you better get back on the plantation. Bruh. With you the better, rest of us. Right. <laughs> you better get your autographed copy of Uncle Tom's Cabin and get back on the and plantation. And get back on this plantation, bro. We got cotton to pick. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> See, now look, look, look. We can get away with that. Some of our friends, some of our white brothers and sisters can't get away with that, especially in this culture. But but we we can we can get away with that. You're not get away with that. But see, <laughs> the, the point is this a black man like Kanye. He can't express an independent thought without paying for it. No, it's a, it's the same thing with me and the same thing with you. Mm-hmm. We there, there are things you know that we can say on on social media that's going to cause that same kind of uh, 
negative instantaneous rejection mm-hmm. simply because you happen to take a different perspective than they do. Right. And this, which is the case with this whole issue about multi-ethnic congregational diversity. That's I'm coming a, up. Listen, I'm going to say one thing about the Kanye thing, right? And, and, and it's the same thing I'm sure you would express to him. It's like, welcome to the family. I mean, I, I, I did. It, I told it, him it, that. You know what I'm saying? It's like this is something based upon the positions that you and I have espoused and held for years mm-hmm. prior. This this isn't a yesterday thing. This isn't an old Trump got in. I woke up yesterday and got on the got on the train. I, I didn't vote for Trump. Let's be clear about that. But going back to the whole whole deal, I've I've been I've been uh conservative, I want to say politically conservative. Man, as far back as I can remember, I, right. I, I mean, I, I, go, I go back to some Reagan days. You know, right. I, I wasn't even able to vote then, but I was still kind of following conservative thought and ideology and since that time. So this is this is nothing new right. for 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 you and I. This is not yeah. new. And, and again, I, I had to I had to differentiate between conservatism and the cross of Christ. That came, right. that was another that was another level of my 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 development and understanding that it, it, it's about it's about the cross and then it's ultimately about how, how do we proclaim the gospel exactly. to, a world, to a world that needs it. So yeah. I, I, I took that di- diversion, brother, but I just wanted to get back to to what what you were sharing. I apologize. Yeah, it's, it's Galatians 2:20. Yep. Yeah. Galatians 2:20. Yes. yes. Essentially what essentially is what you're saying. It's yep. Galatians 2:20. Yep. But in that in that is it is amazing the what what I call ideological tribalism mm. to where within the black uh I'm gonna use the term black community. I hate that term. Yeah. But I'm gonna use it for the sake of conversation. Within the black community in America, ideological tribalism reigns supreme. Yes, it does. If when your melanin is a certain shade, you are expected to tow a collectivist ideological worldview about mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. politics, religion, uh, economics, you name it. If, if your skin tone is within a certain gradient range, mm-hmm. you better think a certain way because if you don't, you're going to pay for it. Yeah. And it's along those lines as I was, uh, Prepping for this episode, I uh, was reminded of a quote by Booker T. Washington, uh, and, and you talk about conservatism. I liken myself to be a Booker T. Washington conservative. Mm. Uh, so that's the kind of conservatism that I hold to. Mm-hmm. I don't hold to the conservatism of of the Republican Party or it's a train a, wreck a, a mess. presidential President Trump or some pre, any presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would commend anyone if you've not read. Uh, if you've not read up on Booker T. Washington, especially his autobiography up from slavery, then yes. shame on you. Yes. Shame on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, go out and read that. But I was reminded of a quote that came from uh, Washington's autobiography up from slavery, where Washington says this. He said, the wisest among my race understand that agitations of social equality is the extremist folly and that progress in the enjoyment of all privileges that will come to us must be the result of severe and constant struggle rather than of artificial forcing. Mm. I'm going to read that again. Do it. 
Watchman says, the wisest among my race understand that agitations of social equality. Now, let me pause right there. Inherent within this quote, intrinsic within this quote, rather, is Washington's fundamental disagreement with Frederick Douglass. Uh, I'm reminded of something one of Frederick Douglass's uh, young protégés uh, asked him as, as Douglass had aged and was getting close to death. He asked him, uh, Mr. Douglass, uh, what would you recommend that I do with the rest of my life? And Douglas responded, agitate, son. Right. Agitate, agitate. Well, Washington holds to a different view. He says, the wisest among my race understands that agitations of social equality is the extremist fallacy, folly. So Washington saw agitation as extremist. And that progress in the enjoyment of all privileges that will come to us must be the result of severe and constant struggle rather than of artificial forcing. Mm. Okay. So as it relates to what we're talking about tonight with respect to multi-ethnic congregations in the local church, Mm -hmm. that term artificial forcing kind of stood out to me. So let's try to put, let's, let's try to frame that term artificial forcing a little bit. So, Contemporarily, I would suggest that an example of artificial forcing, as opposed to constant struggle over time uh, that Washington favored, artificial forcing would be things like demanding the removal of Confederate statues, Mm -hmm. uh, removing Confederate flags and other monuments and relics that memorialize individuals whom many believe were instrumental in fostering a climate of ethnic hatred in America either institutionally or structurally. So societally speaking, worldly speaking, meaning non-ecclesiastically speaking, those would be examples of artificial forcing. Mm -hmm. But in the same way in the church, there's also a kind of artificial forcing that is being proffered by many in the church under the guise of pursuing multi-ethnic congregations as a so-called gospel issue. There's some artificial forcing going on there as well. So what I want to try to do tonight is present a thesis around why multi-ethnic congregationism is not a gospel pursuit. It It is not something that we are mandated in the gospel to understate and undertake rather. And I want to start all the way back in Genesis 1. I want to go all the way back. Here you go. Here I go, Verge. (laughs) Expositing the scriptures again. What am I thinking? What are you thinking, man? Here I go. All right. Okay. So let's go all the way back. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, I want to argue that the genesis of God's idea of the church began, interestingly, in Genesis 1-1. The genesis of God's idea of the church began in Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God had the church in mind when he created the heavens and the earth. For it is from heaven to this earth that he would send his son to preach the gospel to mankind. 
Now we see that in John chapter 6, verse 38, where Jesus himself said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So again, God had the church in mind before the foundation of the world, knowing that at the appointed time, according to texts such as Galatians 4, 4 and 5, and then Romans 5, 6, knowing that at the appointed time, he would send his son into the world Mm -hmm. to preach the gospel of salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, read this. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, Mm -hmm. so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Okay, at the appointed time. Conversely, in Romans 5, 6, Paul writes this. For while we were still, while we were still helpless at the right time, mm-hmm. Christ died for the ungodly. So again, the point is that God has had the church in mind literally from the beginning. Because in the, the two texts that I just read, we see at the appointed time in Galatians, and then at the right time in Romans. So God had to have had the church in mind before the foundation of the world. The church is not a New Testament idea. Mm. The church is a pre-existent idea, Mm pre-creation idea. And when the appointed time came for the Son of God to come to the world, the message with which he came was the gospel. And we hear that proclamation from Christ himself in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where he declares this, The time is fulfilled. So where we just saw in Galatians 4 and Romans 5, respectively, that when the fullness of time came and at the right time, Christ said, that time is fulfilled now. Mm -hmm. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, period. Mm. Repent and believe the gospel. That's Mark 1.15. Now notice that at the end of that sentence, there is no ellipsis at the end of that verse. (laughs) Okay? In other words, there's no dot, dot, dot at the end of that verse, as if to suggest that something has been excluded, deleted, or there's a thought to be continued. Right. Christ said, repent and believe the gospel, period. So the church of God, and I use that phrase, the church of God, in terms of possession, not in terms of denomination. Right. The preposition of denoting that the church belongs to God. So when I say the church of God, that is the church that God owns. That is the church that belongs to God. So the church of God is comprised of those who have obeyed Christ's command to repent and believe the gospel. That is how the church, that is, and when I say the church, I mean the body of Christ. That is how the body of Christ is formed. Mm. It is formed as those who hear the gospel, repent and believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that on the basis of such texts as 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Here's what Paul says this. He says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so is Christ. So here we have that metaphor that Paul uses that the church is the body of Christ. So again, I just quoted 1 Corinthians 12, 12. So to reiterate, 
God, the creator of all that is seen and unseen, and I say that based on John chapter 1, verse 3, God, who is the creator of all that is seen and unseen, has had the church in mind from the very beginning of time as we know it. The church is not just an Acts chapter 2 thing, okay? And if that's the case, if God has, has, has had the church in mind from the beginning of time, if that's the case, and it is, then it stands to reason that God has a plan for building and sustaining his church in the world. Mm-hmm. That he's already taken care of that. Absolutely. So I, I say that on the basis of a text like Acts, Acts 9.31. Acts 9.31 is my go-to text. Whenever I run into people who are zealous about that sort of cliche phrase that I quoted earlier, that the church ought to reflect the diversity of the community that it serves. You know, as if the church were some, I don't know, uh, pickup and delivery <laughs> service. Right. This e- ecclesiastical grub hub or something like that. Right. <laughs> now I like me some grub hub, man. Don't don't do like some grub hub, man. I know you like I know you like you some grub hub, bro. <laughs> but that's not what the church is about. But that's not what the church is about. No, absolutely not. Acts nine thirty one. So the church. Again, I'm reading from the NESB, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. Now, I want to park on this verse for a minute. Mm -hmm. So here we see, I'm going to read that verse again so folks can follow. So the church, this again, Acts 9.31 So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoy peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. So according to Acts uh, Acts 9.31, there are two things and only two things required in order for the church to grow. Two things and only two things. And neither of those two things is dependent on you and me effectuating that increase. That's good. Two things. Number one, the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Number two, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Those two things are required in order for the church to increase. The fear of the Lord is speaking of a reverential awe Mm -hmm. that the church, that the body, that we, you and I as believers are to have for the God to whom the church belongs. The phrase, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, is an exhortation, a trusting, a resting in the Holy Spirit to do what he is ordained to do within the church, namely increasing the church. Mm -hmm. Nothing in that text in Acts 9.31 points to you and me, Virgil, as having an onus for ensuring that the church increases or by extension eschatologically speaking reflects what God has already promised. It will reflect in revelation seven, nine. Okay. Right. What's interesting about that, man, I I do not mean to interrupt where you're going, but go ahead. Go ahead. What's interesting about that is, is, you know, and I know that, that, that folks kind of have a, have a thought process about uh, again, it's, it's the social, 
gospel. It's the it's the kind of kind of Marxist idea, you know, of of the have and the have nots. And so, since those who are uh, multi ethnic are the have nots, we have a responsibility to go out and grab them and bring them in. But but it also it also speaks to what we believe the church to be. I mean, it it I, I go back to to something you shared. Uh, a, a while back on 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 one of our previous podcasts when we when we looked at the exodus of some from you know from uh mega churches that were predominantly uh white right blacks who right. were leaving the churches who were predominantly white it, it's it's we're looking for the church to be something it was never called to be right. and, and 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 those who are called to be a part of the church are 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 God's elect Right. It, it, the thought process that we just to, to go out and, and bring in, look at look at the ethnic makeup of our geography and go out and bring in so many of these folks who are of, of this ethnic background and so many of of these right. folks who are of this ethnic background in order to check a box. I don't even know who we're exactly. checking the box for. Exactly. I, I have no idea who, you know, who, who who signs off on us once we've reached this ethnic right. parity. Right. Um, that 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 we've arrived, right. but but this is this is more about about sharing the gospel, God calling those uh, unto Himself, whom He who those who 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 He's chosen right. before the foundation of the world. Exactly right, exactly right. You just laid it out, you know. And to your point, Verge, I did some math earlier before we uh, connected for this episode. Talking about checking boxes, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did the math. <clears throat> and the church to which I belong right now, been a member there three years. Mm-hmm. The church to which I belong is 99.975% white. Wow. Now, I, under the sovereign providence of the Holy Spirit, chose to join this church. Right. Why? Because the gospel is preached there. See, 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 but but you see you you but, but, have you have just you have just messed up right there. You, oh, again. <laughs> you 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 done messed up our whole program, man. See, you're gonna have people saying that's what's wrong with that brother. Mm-hmm. He has been at that predominantly white church. And they have done some kind of metamorphosis on mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. so now he can't see straight. Mm-hmm. He, he 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 here's here here's where it comes. Here's where it comes. You know what you know what I'm about to say. He thinks he's white. <laughs> you know that's you know. Listen, you know that's what those who who don't hold to this idea are going to be saying about you and saying about me. I'm in I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. You done outed me from the uh, from the opening of the show, <laughs> right? I'm I'm in a place where our our state. I want to say statewide, we might be hitting eight percent African American statewide, right? Um, and, and my, my church, man, it probably, I, I you know, I, I haven't, I haven't run the numbers I, to be honest with you, man. I, I really don't care to. Exactly. I, I, I re- it's, exactly. it's irrelevant to me. It's totally irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's totally, it's totally irrelevant. And, you know, and, and to your, to your earlier comment, you know, I can't win for losing because I'm either being called a coon on one right. end. Right. Or I'm being called white 
on the other end, right? By right. my so-called black brothers and sisters, right? And, he, and so here's I can't the cra- win for losing. No, you can't. Here's the crazier part than that. I, I'll take it another level. These churches that they're asking for them to be multi-ethnic, you would be the solution to this predominantly white church. Yet, because of the fact that you're one of a small number and and not enough in the mind of some, you're, it would be the fault of your church because they've not reached out to enough of you. But but the fact that you're there should be an indication that maybe things are turning around. But that wouldn't be what others would say about you. See, here's the problem, Verge. You're absolutely right. But here's the problem with somebody who thinks like that and and this is where this is what's so problematic about your message being interpreted in terms of metrics you see so you can open the doors of a predominantly white church and see increasing numbers of non-white faces sitting Mm -hmm. in the pews okay but all that's good for is billboards all that's good for is marketing now you might be able to say drop a brochure or put together a really nice pamphlet and show faces of people with different shades of melanin, okay? But how do you market how many of them is going to hell? Okay, how do you market how many of them are saved? How many? Right. How do you market how many of them have believed the gospel? You well, see? It, 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 well, the, the issue really, it becomes irrelevant so long as you have the picture. Exactly right. And see, that's what, that's what, what I see, people who are so dogmatic, about this multi-ethnic congregations, about churches being more multi-ethnic in their congregations. It's all about aesthetics. Mm-hmm. It's all about aesthetics. Oh, yeah, so all right, yeah, so that church there, and again, so what, what percentage? See, and that's just it. There's nothing salvific about reaching a metric, a target. Mm-mm. The gospel is to save souls, and this is why I continue to say, regardless of who disagrees with me, Christ came to save sinners. He did not come to save society. And what's happening with with us within the church is we're trying to create a kingdom in a place where God has already said, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm. And we're trying to create a kingdom here. We're trying to bring about, we're trying to help God bring about Revelation 7, 9, which Mm -hmm. says, after these things, I look and behold a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hand. Now, when you look at what John is saying here in revelation seven, nine, he says, after these things, I looked. Now that's past tense. Mm Mm-hmm. I looked and behold a great multitude from every nation. Now, every nation, tribe, peoples, and tongue. Now, that he's speaking in past tense, I looked and behold. Then he describes what he saw. What does that say to you? That says that this multi-ethnic kingdom will be brought to fruition. Amen. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it will be brought to fruition. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. There, Christ in that text in Matthew 16, 18 uses two personal possessive pronouns. Mm-hmm. I being one will build my, my. church. Mm-hmm. I will build it. 
And the problem we're having today is that we've confused the fact that God uses us with God needing us. <laughs> we we confuse that, man. We 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 confuse that fact because we we really do believe I think ultimately that we have something to do with salvation. Bingo. We really do. I mean, we we have been We've been so the the American Christian culture has been so infected by by Charles Finneyism mm-hmm. that that we we can't you, you can't go too far without someone asking you well how did you say how did you share the gospel were you nice were you soft were you were you kind were you did you have some some music did you you know how did how did you greet the person your tone i mean all of these these factors when the ultimate ultimately biblically salvation belongs to the lord in right. fact in fact, it's interesting, man. As you as as you 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 landed in in verse uh, eight or nine of of that same of of uh, of Revelation seven, uh, and you read ten, crying out with a loud voice, "Salvation belongs to our God who sits mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. throne and to the Lamb." Mm-hmm. And, and so, the the the, pe- the people of God get it. They get it, or they should. Well, they should. <laughs> because what's happening to your point that you just made, uh, not only are we, so not only do we have sort of a misperception of who's responsible for salvation, we're redefining salvation. Wow. We're redefining it. We're redefining it so that it's not a spiritual reality. Mm. It's not a spiritual, uh, uh, shall we say, occurrence. It's, it's not something that happens within us. Mm-hmm. It's it's external as well. Right. It's aesthetic. So salvation is also aesthetic. It's temporal, in the terms of local churches having a certain composition, mm-hmm. uh, ethnic composition, and that in itself is a a a, a picture of Christ's salvation coming uh, full circle as mm-hmm. well. You know. But to your point, I'm glad you sort of expounded on that too in, in reading verse 10 out of Revelation 7, I want mm-hmm. to connect that to 1 Corinthians one thirty. Do it. Where Paul writes this. Paul writes, he says that by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> his being God's. Right. By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus to begin with. Mm. Now, that clearly removes any idea. If salvation is monergistic, Meaning, only God, only God is in it, is in it, and makes yep. it, yep, makes, makes that happen. happen. Yeah. Why is it that building His church must be synergistic? Mm-hmm. Well, we got to help God out right. for some reason, right? And then we, and then we, here we are. Not only do we feel like we have to help God build His church, yeah. like I said earlier, we've confused God using us with God needing us, yes. right? We, we. we are not, we've not only uh, 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 come to the belief that we got to help God out. Here we are telling God what His church is supposed to look like. Right, right. It, it's it's too white, God. You did it. I mean, we appreciate what you did, but 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 your church is too too white in this area of town, and we need we need to switch it up. And bro, I'm t- listen. You and I did an episode not too long ago where we shared our respective journeys to reform theology. Mm-hmm. 
both of us coming out of Pentecostalism. Yep. I can take you. Matter of fact, I tweeted a brother on Twitter today. He and I were going back and forth on this issue. And I told him, you know, going back to my own experience growing up in, in the hoods of West Atlanta in the 30314 area uh, zip code and folks in the ATL who are listening to this, they'll know what the 30314 zip code is all about. One of the most dangerous areas in the city. Mm-hmm. I grew up there for most of my adult life. And I can tell you right now, I can go back there right now today on April 30th, 2018, where there's a church on almost every third block. The congregations of every single one of them is 100% black. Mm -hmm. 100%. Right. Now, why are they not being held to the same standard? (laughs) Right. Why are no other factors being considered? Mm -hmm. You know, but, but the white church now, it's all white supremacy. Well, right. you guys, you it's, it's just assume that because the church church's congregation is predominantly white, that's because of some underlying racism. Racism, right? They're trying to keep the white church white, right? Trying to, like 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 they would say, "What well, are you white people are just trying to keep the black man down?" Now the white church is trying to keep the black church down. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you go visit some of those churches in the inner city and explain to me why they're not more diverse, right? That, that's not that's not the thought process at all. And again, we just had the the, the passing. I, I know you're very aware of of James Cone and and his his Black Liberation Theology. And we've we've on on numerous occasions talked about um, you know critical race theory and and all of the all those pieces of the puzzle that have infected the minds uh, of, of African-Americans in this culture to such a massive degree that we we don't even recognize that we're that we're espousing ideas from those from those right. those those, those pseudo theological points of view right and and that's really sad and that's really sad and and I tell you the 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 manufactured diversity that folks are trying to bring about in counting faces in counting melanin shaded faces is really sad Mm-hmm. When, when when the gospel already tells us that this unity that we're trying to manufacture already exists mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact that we are all part of the same body. Yes. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I love this verse. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. So there's the ethnic aspect of it. Mm-hmm. He continues, whether slaves or free, there's the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. He says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Mm. If you're in Christ, we are already one. <laughs> Jesus prayed in John 17 in his high priestly prayer. And how blessed, what a God we serve. Mm. What a blessing we have that Christ 
before he went to the cross, took the time to pray for us. He said, I don't just pray for those who are here, but for those who will believe. Mm -hmm. He prayed that in John 17. So that includes us. That includes those who have yet to believe, but who will. Yes. But, but that, that as we read in 1 Corinthians one thirty, by his doing, we are in Christ. Monergistic, it's all God. And it's also all God that unifies us by his spirit. Amen. It is that we are in him. That is the ultimate, complete, comprehensive unity of the body of Christ. There's nothing else missing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else missing. The same God who is sovereign in bringing you to himself yes is also sovereign in building his church and ensuring that his church reflects the characteristics that he has promised it would amen he doesn't need our help Mm-mm. so please stop getting it confused god may use us but that doesn't mean he needs us. No, absolutely. At the end of the day, our response is to continue to consistently preach the gospel and stay true to the word of God. Well, see, what the problem is, is the word of God is not enough for folks today. That's the, that's enough. the that's the real issue. At the end of the day, that's the real issue. It's not enough. It's not enough. Mm-mm. So we can't we don't trust the sovereignty of God. Now, see, this is why I want to go back to Genesis one. I mean, do you really think? And I mean, when I say you, I mean people in general. Do you really think you're listening to this? Right. Do you really think that the church was just a, sort of an idea that God got at Pentecost? No. He's had this as part of his divine plan for creation since Genesis 1 1. Right. And he's got it planned out all the way into eternity as we just read in Revelation 7, 9. God sees the whole picture. You know why he sees the whole picture? Because it's his picture. It's it. Come on, man. It's his picture. Mm -hmm. It's not our picture. We need to give God back his picture. So here we are trying to recreate (laughs) God's picture. Like we need to help him out. It's like it's like telling Da Vinci, "Oh, you missed the spot on the Mona Lisa over there, bro. Right? You missed the spot right there. I mean, really? It's I mean, it's 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 unbelievable to to witness, you know, the 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 pride that comes uh, with with you know withholding this idea again. You you've you've dealt with the issues of of the sin by proxy, and as a result, part of the penance is that that the white church must now go and 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 become this multi ethnic melting pot. Uh, mm-hmm. But but as soon as they do. Uh, or as soon as a brother shows up like yourself to that predominantly white church, and unless you hold, Daryl, to a particular narrative that lets them know you still true uh, to, to, to their thought process, you're, you're ostracized, you're subjugated, they've got words for you and names for you uh, that they tell you other whites believe about you, yet they're the ones who are espousing those names. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I had a dude on Twitter today who tried to run up on me and say, well, Daryl, you know, you realize that most of your supporters, now these are the words he used, mm-hmm. most of your quote-unquote supporters on Twitter are white. Mm-hmm. You know, my response to him was, you know, 
I'm sorry to disappoint him, but I don't, I don't have time to be <laughs> assessing the ethnic composition of people who quote unquote support me. I said, parenthetically, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I told him, I said, however, since that seems to be so important to you, I'll be glad to conduct a poll and ask them. <laughs> And then give you the results, right? You know, what, what, Daryl. What's white thought anyway? What's black thought I know, anyway? I know, what is right? what is that? I know. You yeah. Know? Well, now, now, black thought is easy to determine. Okay. Black thought is when you say something, and somebody else who's black disagrees with it. Mm-hmm. What they disagree with is black thought. Gotcha. So. <laughs> It's, it's black thought by process of elimination. So gotcha. what I say is not black thought. Mm. It's what you say to counter what I say. You're I black you. thought. I got you. I got you, man. It, it's a, it's an educational process, man. As we, as we begin to wrap another, another podcast, man, this, this has been uh, just a, just a wonderful uh, w- walking through uh, unpacking. I love the fact that you took the time in the beginning of, of the podcast, man, to just, just, you know, exegetically kind of, kind of show people, you know, this idea that God had about the church was in the beginning. He didn't just mm-hmm. come up with this after mm-hmm. the fact, this wasn't a, mm-hmm. this wasn't a, oops, some, something mm-hmm. happened. I, I guess mm-hmm. I better go fix it. Uh, but this was a thought from the very beginning and that he will he who began that work will finish it. We'll see mm-hmm. it to its completion. And what Amen. we see in, in Revelation uh, seven, nine and following, man, that, that's all a part of of his plan and, and his desire to, to bring his church together. Any final thoughts there, brother? Yeah, I would just say, man, instead of just focusing on, you know, how multi-ethnic God's kingdom is going to be mm-hmm. in the end, just make sure you're going to be there. Hey, come on, bruh. <laughs> Just make sure you're gonna even be there. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. I, I, there's no, there's no better way to end it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for connecting with us. We'll see you next time on the Just Thinking Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by the Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.